As a writer, how do you define failure? Do you struggle with allowing yourself to fail? Today's episode brings failure to the surface for us to take a good, hard look at it. Stick around. Your best writing life begins in 30 seconds. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft and also to offer you some soul care. I am so glad you're listening in today. During this episode, We are exploring some soul care for writers by finding a fresh start through failure. My industry expert is also a good friend of mine, Beth Duell. Beth is a writer, speaker, blogger at fixerupper.com. She lives in Ashland, Ohio, where she has been happily married to her husband for a long time now, for a long while. Yeah, I mean, they've just been together forever. And they have three adulting children and two growing up too fast grandbabies. Beth, I am so glad I finally got you on your best writing life. Good to have you here. Oh, Linda, it's great to be here. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks for the invite to be here and spend some time with you and our our listeners. I'm so excited today to talk about failure. I know. How can we be excited to talk about failure? I know. <laughs> I, I think it's because we know what's on the other side as well. And yes, that's yes. really where we're going to go today. And I, too, am excited that we are bringing this out in the open. A lot of times you know, people want to talk. They don't want to talk about failure, right? No, no. But I always think about the verse from Ecclesiastes 3.1, where it says, there is an appointed time for everything and there's a time for every event under heaven. And I truly believe that King Solomon meant every event, including failure, because one of the reasons I love to talk about failure, Linda, is the solidarity with the topic. You oh. know, we're all in this boat together. <laughs> we're all we, in the fail boat together. <laughs> we are. We are. And when we offer that transparency, mm-hmm. all of us can start saying, wait, I'm not alone oh, I have someone else who's alongside me bailing out that that yucky water of failure so that we stay afloat, right? And this is where we're going to go today. I'm, right, right. Yeah, I'm happy about it. We know that many of us have a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. What early yeah. lessons about failure helped you get back up faster after a fall? Well, it's it's like you said, Linda, we all want to come out on the other side of failure, living better, even surviving. And I had one of my greatest 
lessons on failure in middle school, believe it or not. (laughs) All the students had gathered for like Bill Nye the Science Guy assembly. I don't know if you ever had those at your school or not, but we had Bill Nye would come and I made the mistake of sitting in the front row with my friends. And who volunteers, let me ask you, who volunteers for middle school to take place in some kind of crazy experiment? No one. No one volunteers. (laughs) But my friends lifted my hand in the air. And before I knew it, my seventh grade self was standing on stage. And initially, I thought, I remember thinking, well, this could be fun. You know, maybe we're going to make a stalactite out of sugary pixie sticks or or help what I could watch some mold grow, you know, he was going to grow some mold. And when my kids were in science fair, you probably had this too. We know that growing mold is a thing. It's a science thing. (laughs) It's a science thing. It is. (laughs) It's a science thing, but there was none of that. Nope, nope, no mold. The experiment was me placing my hand on this huge aluminum, if you can imagine an aluminum mushroom, And then the science guy waving a wand over my head, and he made my bottom length hair stand on end. Okay, so this was no fairy godmother wand either, because it was no Cinderella moment. (laughs) (laughs) My hair reacted to a thousand volts of static cling, if you can imagine. Oh, wow. And this was in an auditorium in front of like 250 of my peers, and they all laugh cried. And it oh. was the worst bad. It was the worst bad hair day. <laughs> oh now, wow! Did every single sock at our house cling to me for a solid week after that? Yes. <laughs> did I? <laughs> did I cry myself to sleep for five like consecutive nights? Yes, mm. I remember it vividly because it was middle school. Hello. <laughs> yeah. But um, it wasn't. The um, I wasn't at the crazy hair stage, don't care, you know, stage yet. So, right. But I, I walked away that day and I perceived it as a fail. And of course, I got nicknames and there's all that. But this was my first experiment with failure. And guess what? I survived. Mm. <laughs> although, although maybe 2000 volts of static cling could have killed me, <laughs> but a thousand <laughs> volts did not. <laughs> so my bad hair day point is I found out early on that I'm not supposed to be the hero in my own story. Oh. God's the hero and he's the one who rescues. Mm. So the other thing I love about this middle school dumpster fire is the way my mom handled it. She didn't come in with a big bucket to douse all my middle school feelings. You know, instead, she acted as if my perceived failure was something normal, like it was just another part of life and not something to be fixed right away. And she didn't try to make it better, which you know, being a writer of fix her upper books, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you, Linda, I can't always say. I've done this with my children. I mean, my fix it, mom fix itness, it feels supercharged inside my soul when my kids are hurting. So uh, now, as a mom too, I understand just how much my own mother had to trust God that He was at work in my life, even then. And so she allowed me to sit in the pain and to be uncomfortable. In fact, she encouraged me to stay in it and pray in it. And that's one point I want to make is, you know, that if that's something that they can take away today to remember to just kind of allow yourself to stay in it and pray in it. I do like that. And 
a phrase that I use when working with my clients, working, I, I founded Parenting Awesome Kids and worked with parents, mm -hmm. came alongside them for five years, had so mm -hmm. many just amazing opportunities to speak into the lives of parents. And one of the things that I would share with them, the best gift you can give your child outside of your physical, quote, presence, right? Because mm -hmm. your presence mm -hmm. is the best present is allowing them to fail well. And yes. failing well is exactly what you described your mother allowing you to do. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that, oh no, poor thing. I've got to calm you. Let's go buy you clothes. Let's go do this. Oh, that was just horrible. It's okay. That, that happened. And now you're standing up and wash your hair and you'll be fine. And we're going to go on with life. And it's not ignoring the child. It's, it's not igniting mm -hmm. the fire of failure. So there's a mm -hmm. difference. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to work through those flames and, mm -hmm. you know, or we want to douse them as, as right, you had right. said. And no, we're not going to put them out. Just let them kind of burn out and they will. And we get up and we stand up and we realize, well, yeah, I fell down, but I got up and I right, can get right. up. And it's, it's like you said, allowing that feeling of failure to smolder a little bit, like a controlled burn while yes. God does the work. And when we stay in it and pray in it, many times we'll look toward God rather than crowdsource for our mm. definition of success. You know, mm. if I was to look out at my peers at that time, I would have come away with a damaged self-esteem. <laughs> so, and we have to know this about God. God is a fire starter. I mean, think mm. about the times you've gone to an empty page that's been lit by a struggle and fueled by a passion that you don't know where it comes from. We say, I don't know. And it, it's God giving that, us that, the spirit in us, giving us that, just, you know, sparking something, right. um, writing, speaking, presenting a proposal to an editor. It's all exciting, but it's equal parts terrifying too. Mm. So mm. for sure, moving past failure is never easy, but depending on God to help us through to the next failure is how we thrive. That's and right. Then, and when we read, if we think about it, when we read Genesis, we know that God created us to endure and mm. failure shows us that our psyche isn't as fragile as we think it is. I mentioned early on, I, I said perceived failure and Although I didn't actually fail when I went up on stage, my middle school mind perceived it as a failure. Yes. And so I worked at a psychiatric hospital for 12 years and I would lead groups. And for a better part of that time, I went and was certified for drug and alcohol uh, as a certified drug and alcohol counselor. And I can tell you that perception tries to boss us and dictate our mm. reality. <laughs> yes. Ask anyone who has ever suffered from chronic depression, and they'll tell you how we perceive things matter. It just does. So it's very important to understand that even a perceived fail, even when our children would react in a certain way, if they've perceived it as a failure, it, that is how we're cognitively interpreting it you know, are, right. as, as a failure. So perceived failure is real. Mm -hmm. It's real mm -hmm. to the individual there. Mm -hmm. I, I talked on another podcast about, you know, perception 
and someone taking something that you say the wrong way. But Mm -hmm. if that's how they perceive it, it's real to them, even if it wasn't how you meant. So, you know, perception is real because it's coming from the heart and the mind and the eyes of the one who's receiving it. Mm -hmm. We We have to not just blow it off as though it has no value, but to put it in a perspective that's positive or that's not making it, well, the world is coming to an end, you know, chicken little, right? Yes. Because if if we can stay away from that extreme, then it's like my, our newest granddaughter. Mm -hmm. You knew we had to bring grandbabies in here. Yes. But my newest granddaughter, (laughs) she has, they were, the kids were over for dinner and she's at the table and she's hungry. Everyone is getting ready to eat. And she starts doing her little. Eh. And you look at her face and you're going, she, she's not really crying. What is she doing? And Sammy looks at her and she goes, just ignore. She does that because when she does that around another person, they give her what, mm-hmm. what she wants. And we don't do that. Exactly. So it's like, no, you have to, you'll be fine. You're going to live. It will be okay. You will survive. So they don't get ugly at her. They just let her kind of be in her little place and then she gets right. through it and, and survives. So this is the we struggle. Can, we, yeah. can I clarify? We give our grandchildren exactly what they want when they're here. <laughs> You're one of those. So <laughs> It's like reverse psychology. <laughs> For them against you. For they them against no, us. Right. So uh, yeah. I love that's it, what we so. do. But the struggle yes. is real with perception. But let's yes. look at perfection because mm-hmm. there are many who do struggle with the concept of perfection. It has to be the best. And the thought of failure for these individuals is nothing to laugh at. It can literally shut them down. Oh, so yeah, what, what yeah. suggestions can you offer? So. Yeah, funny story. Rachel Ann Ridge, she's a best-selling author. If you haven't read her book Flash, I'm just going to say it's it's a it's one. <laughs> it's one that you need. But she's a great friend of mine as well, and she asked me to be a guest on her Instagram live. Mm. And she s- said that she wanted to interview with me and asked if I would speak about failure, talk about failure. (laughs) And so she'd been doing these lives with people like amazing women like Priscilla Shire and Lisa Welshel. And, and just, those are just a few. So I texted her back and I said, I'm going to take this as a compliment that you want me to talk about failure, I think. (laughs) But she she told me she believes that I do a great job helping others get back after they've fallen down. And mm. I said, yes, falling down is something I know a ton about. I know this camp and I'm your expert. There <laughs> you go. Because I've literally and fig- figuratively <laughs> fallen many times, but but I've learned to laugh at it. And it mm. hasn't always been that way. So I have to admit, I still fight it. I still fight perfectionism or what I call perfectionism par- paralysis. And, it, mm. and you had alluded to that earlier as well, Linda, but it's that feeling of being stuck. And I, you know, we see the expectation, but we've made it uh, unreachable and we expect 
just way too much. So I can stay fixed in a place and overwhelmed. It's very easy to get there in in a writing. It's, you know, who of us haven't stared at the page, just feeling like, okay, we know the goal, but but getting there so mm. is is the hard part. And it's like the worst oxymoron because you would think perfectionism would drive you forward and motivate you, but sometimes it does and many times it doesn't. In fact, the very definition of failure feeds a sense of staying stuck um, because failure is defined as, as the lack of success or failure to meet an expectation. So how can you meet an expectation when it's so far away? And right. and that's what we've run into. We run into with this problem with perfection. Um, that's the tension and that's the conflict that we're in. And um, you have the goal in sight, but also you have the unrealistic expectations and they're coexisting, right? And they're fighting each other for, the, for first place. So um, an example of this, when my kids were toddlers, you know, uh, I'd set a goal. Let's just get through the grocery store without a meltdown or tantrum from them or me. (laughs) So that was my goal. And once I remember when we made it all the way through the grocery store, but then the dreaded aisle five, you know, the tunnel of gloom and doom and glue where everything is within the reach of a three-year-old's fingers. They do that on purpose. I know they do. (laughs) But the, the next thing I know, I'm you know, I've got a screaming toddler and I'm, and I'm licking lint fuzz off a sucker, a sucker that I just dug from the bottom of my purse and sticking it into my toddler's mouth. <laughs> and then I did it again the very next week, knowing that the lint fuzz definitely tastes like cat fur, <laughs> but we'll do anything to stop the stairs and comparisons to quiet the outside screams, you know, and the inside mm. screams, because, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, mom fails, you know. Right, But um, I confess a lot of times those mom fails, something like this would trigger or set off an entire day for me. And it's a battle um, Mm. to find a fresh start through failure, though, especially as moms, definitely as writers, we have to get comfortable with the feeling of tension that surfaces with failure or rejection. We have to be okay with the lint fuzz, Linda. <laughs> but does that, mean, does that mean that we have to, we really have to identify that there is a struggle, right? Yes, yes. We have to come into yeah. agreement, man, I struggle with this. And mm-hmm, then when we struggle mm-hmm. with it, to be able to look at it and go, all right, it's a reality. This is what I have. I don't need to have a meltdown. I can actually just look at it and, you know, I'll, I'll wash out their, I'll wash off their hands or something later and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. get on, get on with life. And it's the same with the blank page. It's the same with being turned down. It's the same with, you know, I was speaking with someone the other day and we've all heard this, or I would, I would assume, especially in the writing as a writer, that no's are basically needed so that we can get into the right place. So we want people to tell us no. We want people to say this isn't what they want. We want people to do that because we need our material to be in the right hands, in God's hands, in the Mm -hmm. right location. And if everyone just said, oh, I want it, I want it, we could have a lot of confusion as to where the right place would be for our writing, for our publishing, 
and you know even in right. art- article placement any of this as writers but it's allowing ourselves to be okay with the mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i love that i love that right mm. r i g t h or oh. r i g h t and there it is. W-R-I-T-E. W-R-I-T-E. <laughs> you know, there you go. It's all right, right, right. It's ever right. right. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that about rejection. I'd once read something interesting about Stephen King on writing. And he said when he was 16, he tacked his rejection letters to the wall. And then more came. So he nailed them to the wall. Still more arrived. And then he drove a spike through them because there was Mm. just way too many and they weighed too much. And this process of trying and failing made him a better writer. We've heard that a thousand times. Mm. But what happens, though, when we apply faith to our writer's drive, that perfectionism to failure, faith tells us to be dependent on God's power. This doesn't mean that we try harder. And I've learned that through many lessons. Mm. <laughs> it means with God's help, we simply try again. So that's the difference. Oh, I you like know, that. Taking that faith in our faith process or our faith walk and applying it to our writer's process, it's so valuable and God uses it. Like I said, it doesn't mean that we try harder because that is our, that's our first response. It just means that we try again. Mm. Very, very good. Wrote that one down. A verse that has been, uh, what what do I want to say, a a strong platform for fix-her-upper books that I've written and co-authored with Rhonda Ray is um, from Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are works in progress for something God's already planned and prepared. (laughs) So the truth of this verse takes the pressure off, doesn't it? For sure. It really does, because we can just go, wait, I can experience this moment. I don't have to dread it. I don't Mm -hmm. have to fear it. I don't have to. I can just, uh, God's word says it. A line that I use that I have been using for years is if God says it, that settles it. And that's what Mm -hmm. I go with as well. So I find it in his word and truth is truth. And then we press on. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yes. So good. All right. Now I know that you have three steps that we can take to move forward from failure. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's hit those. Yeah. So um, how do we move forward? The first step to moving forward after we fail is remembering who God is and how much he cares. I know that seems like a very cliche thing to say, you know, but in this very first step, when we recognize who God is, his sovereignty, we practice spiritual retrospect. What I mean by that is it's easier to move forward when we remember how God's been faithful to us in the past. Amen. So I look back and I see how God has been there on my worst bad hair days and even Then, you know, in middle school, I see how gently he handled my very breakable seventh grade self-esteem. And I think if he helped me then, he loves me and he'll help me in my high drama mama moments. Mm. (laughs) Say that fast three times. But um, (laughs) also in times of loss and fertility, discouragement, we can all plug in those moments where we've seen God's faithfulness and touched it. So, and especially in rejection as a writer, when we know we have something that God's placed on our heart, but then we get that door that shuts, recalling 
God's goodness and his faithfulness is a building block to becoming a better writer. It has been for me. And our job, you know, we think about our job is to create, to to translate clear images to Mm -hmm. our readers, to use that tension in our lives to tell a story that moves them and inspires people in that forward direction. So focusing on God makes me a better me, also a better writer for sure. So it's that first step focusing on who God is. The second step is remembering who you are. We are humans created in God's image who fail. (laughs) Surprise. Mm. Mm. And if ever there was a person who understood their humanness or a tendency to mess up, I think it was Moses. God wanted Moses to lead his people to the promised land, but Moses wants to explain. I love it. I love how Moses wants to explain this to God. He wants to explain his inabilities to God. In fact, Exodus chapter three to Exodus chapter four, you see nothing but Moses outlining the probability of failure. (laughs) He's going to fail. I am probably, most likely, definitely going to fail. (laughs) And this is just paraphrasing here, right? We know this, right? Right. Yeah. He says, I'm not influential enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm I'm not articulate enough, even perfect enough. And mm. so, you know, he kind of compared, who's he compare himself to Pharaoh? You know, he talks mm. about how Pharaoh is going to see right through this. But mm-hmm. but that's kind of the point, isn't it? That, right. that we weren't meant to be the hero of our own story, that it's through our flaws that God's mighty work shines through the brightest. And then, and then... Moses doesn't get to enter into the promised land with the Israelites. Mm. And there's this sense of tension again, in which I, I say it's a natural sense of that feeling that we are not enough, but we are through Christ. Amen. <laughs> but there's that tension, almost the fact that he never really arrived in faith. That's why I love this story, because Moses's life shows us middles are as important as beginnings and endings. We're always pushed to place emphasis on the end. But what about the middle, the here, the today, this good part and the hard parts of today? So much of our time is spent thinking ahead as writers. We're trained for it, aren't we? We structure our sentence with a great start and an emphatic ending. We want the strength in that sentence to propel a reader to the next sentence, then mm. the next paragraph, and then the next chapter, and then the next book. That's right. <laughs> so I, I mean, and I've even applied and felt this pressure and push in my writing career as well. When I began writing for um, P31 Ministries, Proverbs 31 Ministries for their magazine, I had a goal to eventually write a book. Now that I've done that, my goals propel to more goals <laughs> and then right. more. And so, and that's not a bad thing, but I love what Hebrews 3, 5 tells us though. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. Mm. Moses's faith journey and end to the story wasn't about getting to the promised land. His Mm-mm. journey was about his faith and his faith was shaped into a bigger faith by God. And a lot of that shaping happened through his flaws. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. The third step, this is a brief one. It, it talks about remember who God's transforming you to be. Maybe he's transforming you to be more like Moses. God mm. said he'd help Moses. And basically this released Moses into the freedom of 
freedom to fail. God gave Moses the freedom to fail because when Moses came back with all those reasons, God said, but Moses, I will help you. He gives us that same freedom too. Speaking of freedom, when our kids were younger, we'd take vacations and then we would find a local place to horseback ride. Their favorite place to ride was in Arkansas on a dude ranch with those worn leather saddles that squeak from the miles, that so many miles they have on them. You know, this right, was a real, right. real ranch. <laughs> so there was even open fire and there were trails that roamed through the tall weeds. But the spoiler alert, I've always had a problem with horses. I don't know if they can sense I'm scared. I don't know, but my trail horse typically cops an attitude and bucks or something. They'll mosey off the trail and then I'll steal, steer them slowly back to safety, you know, but not this time, not in Arkansas, not, <laughs> not, not, not with Firefly, <laughs> my, my, my horse, which I'll remember, I always remember it as Arkansas, <laughs> because <laughs> my horse Firefly was bit in the rear by another horse, oh, and no. it took off like teenager with a lot of sass. <laughs> Oh, so wow. He did stay on the trail for a hot minute, for one hot second, but then he crested the hill and there I am on the saddle squeaking, <laughs> but his hooves, he's cutting a new path uh. and my, my horse had broke free and I broke free with it. My husband said from his view, <laughs> he said it looked like the making of a really predictable Hallmark movie. <laughs> you know, the one where the woman her horse kind of escapes and she starts riding, <laughs> except he was on a white horse and he could do nothing. And he even said the leader, the horseback leader guy told Jerry, you know, that he trusted Firefly and, and then I would make it back to the ranch eventually. <laughs> he just, oh, wow. He said, he said, oh, that horse just has some jiggers he needs to work out. <laughs> so, oh, whatever wow. that means. But just like the bad hair day, though, it wasn't just the trotting through the field on a horse with an attitude. It was about taking a new path and surviving. I survived that ride. Mm. And that's one thing that I try and remind myself that faith is not sure footing. It's not even a well-worn path, if we think about it. And writing isn't either. Because mm. your journey, Linda, as a writer, it looks different than mine. And you, for instance, have never suffered a bad hair day. Your hair is amazing. Mine is not. <laughs> so there we go. We have that. <laughs> but back to the happy trails. I had so many bad experiences before Arkansas, before Arkansas, <laughs> riding horses um, that I didn't actually know what riding a horse felt like. I had been moseying on trails and even though it was equal parts exhilarating and terrifying, <laughs> it's like the feeling we might feel when we fail, just like we mm. talked about in the beginning that right. today, if we could walk in the tall grass, the kind of grass where there's no guarantee of what lies beyond that, give yourself the freedom God gives us, the freedom to fail. We can trust the tall weeds that God has us walking through for sure. Amen. Amen. Remember who God is and how much he cares. Mm -hmm. Remember mm -hmm. who you are, that you're humans, we're humans, created in God's image, who fail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And remember who God's transforming us to be. Mm. Yes. Released yes. to fail. I, I really mm -hmm. like that. We're being released oh. to fail. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's and empowering. 
Yeah, and you'll always be able to picture me up over the crest. Absolutely. <laughs> bouncing off the horse. <laughs> hey, it's freedom. It's freedom. And uh, freedom is scary, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it is. It is. These are good. And then let's talk about giving ourselves grace because mm-hmm. God's grace is amazing. But giving ourselves grace is truly paramount in the writing process. Give us some examples of how you've extended yourself grace and tell us how that worked for you. You know, Fixer Upper is reality TV with me. (laughs) So every time I step on stage, something might happen and I have to give myself grace for that. (laughs) But the one one story I'm going to share, and Linda, you know this story. Okay, so I went to an ASA conference, Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, the conference for that. And just days before the conference, I doubled back and made sure that I wasn't responsible to speak because, you know, as speakers, we want to be prepared, right? I even asked specifically if I needed to do anything, and the president said, no, no, we're good. So I did have a very short, two minute something prepared for seven to nine new members. I'm a new member chair for ASA. And um, I had a short Devo prepared that I just glanced at briefly, you know, before I got there. But long story short, (laughs) during the preliminary event, the president gets down off the stage and comes up to me and says, hey, Beth, do you have something prepared? You know, could you do a Devo? And I said, I had nothing prepared. And she said, well, the Holy Spirit told me that. I should um, ask you to do a Devo, a devotion. And I said, well, the Holy Spirit didn't check with me. I get up on stage and even the MC said, oh, I don't have a bio for you, Beth. And to which I said, because I wasn't scheduled to be up here. (laughs) So she, she didn't receive a bio. But by the time I started my very unprepared talk, my Apple watch was saying, it was hilarious. It was saying, oh, I see you're doing a workout. And then it was flashing my high heart rate, which I I showed to the audience. But like I was doing dance fever, nerve aerobics on stage. This was not my best prep talk um, that I'd ever delivered. It wasn't even polished by any stretch of the imagination. It was, as I perceived, not my best. (laughs) It, It could have been close to fail. But it was also a real talk. It was raw. It was authentic. And it was like riding a wild horse. That It felt like a challenge and it made my backside hurt a little bit. I think that pride sometimes can get us. And so it felt less and more at the same time, if that makes any sense. So many people said they'll remember what I said which was amazing considering I don't even remember what I said, (laughs) but this is what grace is. It's less and more, less about us and more about what God gives us, which is his perfection through our mistakes, you know, like he did with Moses. Everything we receive, we don't deserve it, but God's really good at being God. I've found out (laughs) that he's really good at being God. And so I think every time, you know, if you consider an edit, that whole page, edits can be so scary, and we receive them back that first round, and there's red marks everywhere. We have to consider it's our chance to start fresh, and also it's our opportunity to give ourselves grace 
do-overs are wonderful. Who doesn't want do-overs? And some of us get more do-overs than others. (laughs) So we can look at it from that healthy perspective. I think King Solomon recognized that God had a handle on all things, even the specific times the North Pole would tilt a little more to make summer in the Northern Hemisphere, or when the South Pole would tilt toward the sun to make it winter in the Northern Hemisphere. That's Mm. why it's sweater weather here in Ohio. But what amazes me is that all this tilting happens without the slightest sense of movement of, of any interruption. But I know we're tilting because I'm looking out at the tree right now in our front yard and it's crimson. It's starting to turn. Mm -hmm. So this is what faith is, that we would trust God is tilting our lives, you know, our very faith in a way that is good and right and fresh. And Mm -hmm. a failure in this season just means something new and good is growing in the next because God is at work. And it's that tilting that takes place that uh, grows our faith bigger and helps us to become better writers, better moms, better wives, better servants serving God. This is so good. And I do like that you call it that fresh start through failure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really removing some of the the dross, some of the stuff that we want to get rid of. If we mm-hmm. don't attempt, we'll never excel. So we have to attempt and right. we our expectation to do everything correct the first time or to be our quote best the first time or even the second time. Yes. You know, we look at people and we judge their work. We look at their work and we go, man. And they say, well, I've been writing since I was da-da-da. Well, they may have been writing, but they probably didn't have that book crafted back then. Mm -hmm. That's when they started Mm -hmm. the process. And we have to allow ourselves the processing time. We've got Mm -hmm. to. That's when everything gets better with age, with maturity, and with practical application and spending time with God, learning his word, he may be stalling us and it only comes through rejection. That's what we're seeing, but he can be holding us back because he's saying, no, there's an experience you're going to have and you haven't had it yet. So you can't give this writing the best that it can be because you haven't walked through this yet. You need to walk through this. And as soon as you do, that's happened to me. I would look back and go, oh my word, if I had continued down that path with that particular topic, with that particular book, I would have missed out on this. And it's not a fail. It is fresh. So I really like that. Right, right. Well, and you know, God knows what our best yes is. Mm -hmm. When I um, was writing for P31, I was um, kind of in the lineup to be one of their speakers. And, um, I was, as you would know, very flattered, but also when I took time to step back, come home and pray about it, I realized I didn't want to miss all that dirty laundry. I didn't want to miss the football uniforms that were all muddy and gross. It wasn't my time. It wasn't my season yet. Mm. It wasn't God's best. Yes for my life at that point. 
And so I see now, and I went there with a, I think I had a project called trying to keep it all together. Anybody got a glue stick (laughs) and Uh. Peg, Peg Short, you know, who's now a great friend of mine. She worked for Moody at the time and she was very excited about the project. I was very excited, Mm. but I didn't get a book contract with that. I came away feeling like, oh man, should I you know, said no to that opportunity to speak. And I kind of second guessed, mm. but we have to trust that God, even if I was supposed to do that, God is so big. He's much bigger than our mistakes. He's yes. much bigger than our failures. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so even what we think may have been a mistake, he's our best. Yes. yes. He, he knows the timing and he's going to work through that. I tell a, a lot of moms that I talk to, I'll say, failing as a mom is parenthood. (laughs) And so God's bigger than all our fails. And if I'd have had the perfect parents, would I have recognized my need for God at, Mm. you know, at a younger age? Um, Maybe, maybe not. So I think that we have to remember it. This is a work in progress. God's always driving us towards his work that he's already planned and prepared for us to do. So as a Christian, you know, I think that when I feel at the end of something like my rope or my joy, or especially myself, when I get to the end of myself, which is many times, my spirit, it kind of flips fresh to an invitation to begin again. Mm. I've figured this out about Jesus. It's like Jesus wants me to start over with him. It's like he allows it. He allows it even. And you know, it's that new every morning. Um, depending on him, you know, just like Moses did, Moses had to just depend on him to get him through each day. It wasn't, you know, this ahead. It was this morning. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do this today. So Jesus allows us to fail and he invites these fresh starts in our lives. He's the, he's the one that wrote all the new beginnings. (laughs) So... So, so if, if, if he says it and, and allows us to mm-hmm. go through it, then mm-hmm. he's going to also be there on the other side, be there yes. on the other side. And that's how we For can sure. be encouraged through all that you've shared with us today. And you have given us a lot. Thank you yeah. so very, very much. This is good. And this is something for us to take to heart. Mm. My fellow writers, take this to heart. Failure mm. is not a stop. It's a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And if we can embrace that, oh my goodness, then we're going to get up tomorrow with a rejuvenated feeling of, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So Mm -hmm. Beth, I always like to (laughs) take a peek behind the personal curtain of our first time guest. So is there something that you could share with us quickly that we may not read in your bio? Um, One thing is that I have a hoarding problem. Oh, (laughs) okay. I I hoard pillows. And, you know, my husband has kind of coined the phrase one thing in, one thing out, but it's pillows. So so we always need them, but I count on them to tell me things. So give me like general reminders. I have a pillow that says you're blessed today. So, okay. Yes. Oh, so your I see pillows, pillow. your pillow. I'm thinking, I'm thinking yes. bed pillows. You're talking about pillows that mm-hmm. have verses mm-hmm. or something on. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes. Yes. 
And you know, I have plenty of bed pillows too, Linda. I'll tell I'll just tell you that. <laughs> it's a it's a real train wreck getting to bed at night. <laughs> so but but no, but the or I have a pillow that says make today ridiculously fun. And then I have oh. another pillow that says do not cut your own bangs. And I need that reminder because I'm telling you, when during COVID, it was an issue. <laughs> Ah. I cut my own bangs. Who of us didn't cut their own bangs during COVID? <laughs> so, How funny. So, um, so yeah, I have I have an issue. So I try, you know, my kids kind of know this about me. And friends, they take all my pillows that I give them and they're like, yes, thank you. Another pillow. Yay. <laughs> so. but this is good. I mean, when hoarding, there's so many, so many bad ways that could have gone. So being someone who likes pillows, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah. All right. And I know that you have a fun giveaway for our listeners and you said it's a five days of praying through failure with some practical applications in there, right? Yes. Yes. So each day, um, we'll provide a prayer, um, specific to failure and then above it are bullet points for you to access and just kind of look at, you know, I, I know a lot of us, we don't have a lot of time and we're just, we're shoving little snacks in our face for lunch. I know that. <laughs> so, so this is something to just kind of look at and just meditate on throughout the day, nice. um, throughout your busy day. So nice. Very good. You had mentioned the Instagram live you did with Rachel and Ridge, yes. and we have the link to that in the show notes as well. We've got more yes. resources for you so that you can walk away feeling like that fresh start is something you're looking forward to and not dreading. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. very good. And take it from someone that fails all the time. If you survive it, you'll be better off for it. Mm. <laughs> so very so, good. You know, it's just yes, it, it we is. We can make it's, it through. We can make it through. We, we are can not make alone. it through. Yes. yes. Very good. And then I know that your next book is coming out in January of 2023, Fixer mm -hmm. Upper for Moms. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like it's going to be a great book. Yeah. Um, speaking into that try hard soul um, that we mm -hmm. have as moms, and there will be a lot of mention of mom fails in there because who of us as, as parents haven't failed? Robin Pearson and I, she has seven children, and we talk a lot about what a book like this would look like. And we both say it, it's more of a what not to do <laughs> than a what to do. But it's, it is um, giving in to God's goodness mm. in the messiness of momhood. So the chapters kind of unwrap that. Very so, good. Nice. And the website, yeah. of course, is fix-her-upper dot com. We have that yes. in the show notes and a lot of different ways that you can uh, find out what's going on with Beth and get yes. in touch with her as well. You have done great. Thank you so oh. much for being here with us, Beth Duell. Linda, I love hanging out with you. Anytime you want to hang out, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so I know we'll always are... giggle. We'll have fun, but we'll always have truth too. And that's, yes, that's yes. what I really enjoyed from today is you brought scripture, you brought truth 
you you know it's not just a fluff thing it's it's mm-hmm. no this is what god says to us and right. as we experience life we may have runaway horse times and yes. we may have our static cling moments but god is still he's still there he's with us mm-hmm. he's not surprised mm-hmm. by any of it and we right. are never alone but for us to be able to walk through the remembering and knowing, remember who God is and how much he cares. Mm-hmm. Remember who we are. We're humans created in his image, but we're going to fail. And remember mm-hmm. who God's transforming us to be. That's all powerful. It is powerful. Amen. And the next time you have a failure, stay in it and pray in it. I promise. Stay in it and pray in it. Yes. God's I love good. It. He's always moving us forward to that perfect plan he has for us. Um, It's an eternal moving. And sometimes we get so fixated on today, but just understanding that he's working, even when we don't see it, he's working. That's true. Stay in it and pray in it. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Beth. Love you. Thank you, Linda. Hey, have a great evening, day, week. (laughs) Uh, You do as well. You do as well. (laughs) All right. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment, if you would, and share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating, post an episode review, and hit subscribe. You don't want to miss any of these episodes. I greatly appreciate you and what you have to say as much as what you choose to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing life.